0: lesson comes to us from the book of Psalms. While many prayers in the Bible ask God for forgiveness or sing God's praise, other prayers ask God for help. This prayer encourages us not to be shy about bringing our fears and needs to God. Listen now to the word of God as it comes to us from Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart? all day long. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death, and my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes rejoice, because I am shaken. But I trust in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because he has dealt with me bountifully. This is the word of the Lord, Thanks be to God.
1: Our second lesson comes to us from the Gospel of Luke the sixth chapter, beginning with the 32nd verse. Listen again to God's word. Jesus said, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For God is kind. God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? O God, may some word that is heard today be yours, that hearing your presence might transform our lives. In Christ we pray, and may all God's people say, amen. In these weeks, before the election, our country faces one of the most important turning points in its history. It is easy to be discouraged in this contentious time. Add to that the ravages of COVID now claiming over a million lives around the world with no end in sight. And the painful reckoning of systemic racial injustice, and the economic inequality that is only growing wider. And we wonder whether faith makes one whit of difference. Which is precisely why we're focusing now on faith's promise of the reign of God. Rather than succumb to hopelessness, we're lifting up God's vision of what the world can be. A place where swords are turned into plowshares, a place where justice rolls down like water, a place where the oppressed will be set free, a place where every child knows they are beloved, no matter what color, what country, what creed. This is the vision that God has for our world a world that God invites us to enter to imagine to engage in and to embody in our very lives Last week, we spoke of confession as our first step along this journey, admitting to the ways that we fail to follow Christ, fail to love our neighbor, fail to relinquish our pride, fail to act on or sometimes even recognize injustice. The humility of confession is our starting point. But confession alone is not enough. Today we'll focus on the next steps we can take toward fulfilling God's vision, embodying God's reign on earth. The steps of lament and compassion and hope. I want to begin with lament. It may may seem peculiar or even selfish to imagine that complaining to and petitioning God contributes in any way to the fulfillment of God's reign. Yet it's no accident that close to one-third of all the psalms are songs of lament, individual or corporate, songs that... Bring an urgent supplication to God. Our first lesson today invites us to join in that full-throated appeal. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long must I bear this pain in my soul? It is not selfish, but faithful. Faithful to reach out to God with our personal distress and our corporate need. It is, it is faithful because the truth is, it's precisely when we try to fix ourselves to presume that we know how to make everything right, that we actually make things worse. Petitioning God. Lamenting to God opens our hearts and minds to the help and guidance that God alone can give. I'm reminded, (laughs) I'm reminded of so many excruciating meetings at a church I used to serve, filled with brilliant, successful CEOs Our finance, stewardship, personnel committee, and session meetings were all too often not exercises in shared prayerful deliberation, discernment. Instead, they were opportunities to opine. Yet it was only there. It was only there that I realized how much I had been guilty of the same thing, presuming that my experience, my academics, my expertise, privileged me to solve everything. I had the right answer. And that's when I learned that it's precisely, ironically maybe, providentially, precisely when we're overwhelmed, when we're broken, when we're stuck, that we did our best work because it was then that we lamented our failure and insufficiency and need. It was then that we implored God to save us, to fix us, to reclaim us, to lead us, in a still more excellent way. Our path toward God's reign leads us to lament, to a place of deep and humble reliance on God who alone can refresh and guide us. And then, and then, In our humility and our need, our path takes us to a place of compassion. Today's gospel lesson is just one of the many, many places in scripture that points us toward compassion, now, all of us know how valuable it is to have friends and family who know us and love us, people we can count on to have our back and, and tend to us in time of need. This is no small thing. And we need each other in this community of faith and beyond. I was moved last weekend at our new members reunion when we gathered over Zoom, when one of our members shared her pain of losing a family member during COVID, a loved one who lived so far away she could not go there. And she shared her deep grief of not being able to be together. As we on that call all teared up in sympathy our beloved member also shared with us how deeply important it was to have her church family around her how important it was not only to her but also to her mother so far away we need each other we need our love for one another our Care for one another. It is essential to God's vision for our life together here on earth. How much more then? How much more then is the power of compassion for a stranger and even for an enemy? Love your enemies, do good and lend expecting nothing in return, Jesus says. Be merciful just as your Father in heaven is merciful. The love God showed us poured out in the humble presence of Jesus, poured out in his blood on the cross, was not just for those who were holy, not just for those who were pure or loyal or faithful or true. Christ's sacrifice, Christ's sacrifice was made for the salvation of the whole world, sinners, saints failures, and frauds. So God implores us to embody this same compassion. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap, for the measure you give will be the measure you get back. And that measure, that measure we receive is not only for our own benefit but for us to share with the whole world just just as Christ's resurrection was not merely to give life back to him but to give new life to the world. If we're going to try to embody God's reign on earth This is precisely the time for compassion. Now is the season for love. It is not easy to love our enemies when we see what harm they would do to us or those we love or to the very structures of fairness and justice and peace. Let me be clear, loving our enemies doesn't mean approving of their behavior or turning a blind eye to the impact of their choices. Sometimes compassion requires us to have hard conversations which author Austin Channing Brown makes clear in the book of hers we're reading together about racial justice. She says, I learned that harmony, harmony, the absence of outright conflict, often leaves deeper complications untouched. And it's so true. But compassion also requires us to go below the surface of those complications below the surface of our enemies imperfections to see their fear their brokenness their sinfulness which God alone can heal should we condemn them for their behavior well we should condemn behavior sure but condemn their souls No. instead we ought to pray for them that god's transformation will prevail and we should speak the truth but speak the truth in love this is how we come closer to god's reign after confession we take the steps of lament and compassion and then and then without pretense or Pollyanna wishfulness in the end in the end we turn to hope hope not in ourselves but hope in the future that God alone fulfills I have to confess that at times like this, at times like the season that we're in, hope may feel like a ridiculous fantasy. Our world seems to be falling apart, democracy dissolving before our very eyes, inequity winning, injustice growing stronger every day, conflict blossoming but it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way, which is where where the faithful work of hope enters in. I've long turned to those who've struggled before us to find that sense of direction and of hope And one of the testimonies to which I've most often turned is that of Václav Havel, the Czech dissident and writer who was imprisoned in the midst of the Velvet Revolution. In his seminal book, Disturbing the Peace, he has this to say about hope. The kind of hope I often think about, especially in situations that are particularly hopeless, such as prison. I understand above all as a state of mind, not a state of the world. Either we have hope within us or we don't. Hope is not prognostication. It's an orientation of the spirit, an orientation of the heart. Hope transcends the world that is immediately experienced and is anchored somewhere beyond its horizons. I feel that its deepest roots are in the transcendental, just as the roots of human responsibility are. He says hope. Hope in this deep and powerful sense is is not the same as joy that things are going well, or willingness to invest in enterprises that are obviously headed for early success, but rather this, an ability to work for something because it is good. Not because it stands a chance to succeed. In fact, he says, the more unpromising the situation in which we demonstrate hope, the deeper that hope is. Hope is not the same as optimism. It's not the conviction that something will turn out well, but the certainty that something makes sense. Something makes sense regardless of how it turns out. In short, he says, In short, the deepest and most important form of hope, the only one that can keep us above water and urge us to good works, the only true source of the breathtaking dimension of the human spirit and its effort is something we get as it were from elsewhere. And it is this hope above all, that gives us strength to live and try new things, even in conditions that seem as hopeless as ours do, here and now. It is this hope. It is this hope of God's reign, which we can only get from elsewhere, that gives us the strength we need, that puts before us the vision that draws us forward. My prayer for us is that we cling to this hope, not of our own power, but of God's. The election. The election is right around the corner now. And this is how we manage as people of faith in this time. We confess our complicity and we turn to God with cries of lament, begging for mercy and for healing, knowing that we cannot fix ourselves, let alone the world. Trusting in God's mercy to us, we reach out with compassion to the world, to those close to us, to those brought near in our family of faith, and even those we count as enemies, so that through the power of love, they too might be transformed. And in all things, in all things we dare, we dare with our heart of hearts to hope. We, we dare to hope that the world does not need to stay this way. We dare to hope that injustice can be redeemed one vote, one law, one reparation at a time. We dare to hope that the structure of the world we see around us now is not the only option. We dare to hope. And in that hope, we find the strength to live and try new things until God's reign becomes complete. Will you pray with me? Oh, God, in every age... Your people have cried out in lament at our brokenness and need. And in every age, you've urged us not to give up, but by the power of your compassion, you bring your mercy to this world. Encourage our hearts, O Lord, that we might find hope in your eternal love and power and vision. In Christ we pray. Amen.